0: It is really nice to be with you in person. There is something about that sacramental presence, isn't there? Don't have to talk to you and imagine you across the the video, through the the camera, through the phone, um, but actually get to see your faces. And actually, this is the first time I'm even preaching in person um, in maybe a year um, uh, in my ministry uh, in, our, in our church in Ostrava, everything has been online, similar to, to what you've had to endure as well. So what a blessing to be with you and worship with you this morning. Um, it's really refreshing for our souls. Today is Trinity Sunday, and we are going to be talking about how the Trinity impacts our understanding of mission. But first, I want to tell you a story. One of the great privileges that I have is coming alongside some really gifted and Talented and passionate young leaders. One of those leaders' names is Tom, and uh, he's actually the pastor of the church that we serve in uh, in Ostrava, trying to reach young, unchurched teens. And um, pre pandemic, he was really burdened, um, really, really burdened uh, because the church was not growing in the way that he had hoped it would. Uh, we weren't seeing new people coming in as frequently as we wanted, if they did, they often kind of came through, and then, and then we never saw them again, kind of a transient experience. And he just kept sharing, oh, I just would love to see more fruit, and I just want to see growth. And it just it was weighing down on him really hard. And so one day before church, um, I sat down with him, and I just said, Tom, you look burdened in not the healthy way. <laughs> You look way down and I would just love to see you released, experience freedom to really receive what God has for you in the time that God has for you as well. And he broke down in tears and he was like, yes, I I do feel burdened. I feel like it's all on my shoulders that the growth of this church is dependent on how much effort I put in. And if only we can push a little harder, then maybe we'll see the growth that we need to see. And he was able in that moment to just lay it before the Lord and, and give it back to God, give the mission back to God. And the amazing thing was that um, a few weeks later, we had to stop meeting in person. So the pandemic hit and everything had to go online. And talking to him a few weeks later over, over Zoom, uh, it was a totally different Tom. He was, he was free. He was released. He was trusting God. And... Actually, that was the beginning of some amazing growth in our church. That growth didn't come through more pushing, more effort, more hard work, but by releasing God's mission back to him, which is amazing. So we've seen some amazing uh, leaders who we'd kind of given up on pre-pandemic step up during the pandemic and serve and have a renewed heart for their city and, um, and want to be prepared for the mission that God has for us when things reopen. Freedom. Freedom. We all need to experience that freedom in mission. And it's easy for me to sit down with somebody else and see them and like, you you look burdened. You should really give that over to God. It's a whole other thing for me to receive that myself. <laughs> and, and during the pandemic, it was definitely a season where I was feeling burdened, trying to lead a college, um, welcoming new teammates, trying to do recruitment when I can't go and visit churches and see people, uh, and also dealing with a challenging accreditation process uh, related to Brexit, like just crazy stuff. All this was really weighing down on my shoulders to the point where I was asking, like, God, am I even the right person for this? Uh, You must have made a mistake because I am definitely not qualified, definitely not prepared, definitely not equipped for this ministry. Maybe you feel that kind of burden for mission as well. Maybe you have a burden that is shoulderable, kind of is like, okay, I can, I can handle that. But maybe you feel kind of a little crushed by the burden for mission. You might have a family member who's far from God and you just long to see them return to the fold. Maybe you have a coworker who just uh, is living a life totally contrary to the gospel and you would love to see him experience freedom in Christ. Maybe you have a burden for this, this city and you want to see the justice of God Visible, intangible, in a way that transforms culture and society, and you're just not seeing it. You're like, oh, so far. And maybe you want to see Emmanuel Anglican a, to be a beacon church. You want to see it actually making a difference, shining the light of Christ in the city, and maybe you're, you feel like that vision is, is just a little bit out of your reach. What would it be like to experience freedom, freedom in mission. We're going to take a look at Acts 2 and, and explore what this freedom looks like and where it comes from and what the implications are. Pentecost, the pouring out of the Spirit, an amazing moment where the Spirit of God descends not on the religious elite, but on this scrappy band of Jesus followers who are just coming from all the different contexts of life and do not have their stuff together but they are filled and they are on mission and they are bold, emboldened in an absolutely new way. We see Peter, uh, both the same Peter that we have seen in the Gospels, but also he's new. He's got a brashness that also has a humility and he's got a boldness that comes from a rootedness now in the spirit. The spirit is transforming the disciples and giving them a kind of freedom, which is both rooting and releasing and I think that we see in this second part of Peter's Pentecost sermon that this freedom is connected to a Trinitarian understanding of mission, which carries with it some surprising sacramental dimensions as well. So let's, let's take a look a little bit closer at, at this just amazing, amazing sermon. Um, we'll call part one, which is verses 22 to 28, we'll call part one, You Crucified! but God raised. (laughs) We'll read a little bit of this. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified, whoops, and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be helped by it. And then he quotes Psalm 16 as a, as a proof. that God will not abandon his anointed to Hades. You crucified, but God raised. We see here and here the, the amazing plan of God the Father, which cannot be thwarted by human schemes. And, and this is not a small uh, m- screw-up. <laughs> this is not like, oh, I, I just kind of missed the ball here. This is like a big deal. God sent his son into the world. Uh, he gave his son to the world so that whoever, whoever uh, comes to him may not perish but have eternal life, whoever believes in him, and they crucified him. It's kind of a big deal. God did amazing things through this man, through Jesus of Nazareth, works and wonders to show that this was a man anointed by God. And they missed it. They crucified him. They delivered him. And Peter is not mincing words here. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. You failed. (laughs) You missed it. God raised him up. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. It was not possible for him to be held by. it. We see here that the Father God is on mission and his plans are not disrupted by our failures. <laughs> praise God, praise God. The Father is working even when we fail, even when we feel like we are not quite up to the task, we don't quite have the background, the education, the skills. God is working because it is his mission and he is the guarantor of that mission. The kingdom of God is breaking in. Wasn't that the, the message of Jesus when he was on earth and his preaching? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is coming and it is dependent on God's plan and God's desire. Not, not on us. <laughs> Which is just amazing. The Father's working even when we fail. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. This is God's mission. And God is working. He's opening doors. His kingdom is breaking in. And you're not called to be sneaky and strategic and find just the right spot and just the right words. Your call is to to follow God and where he is leading, where he is opening doors. And even if you fail, God still accomplishes his purpose. The Father's working even when we fail. Part two, the kind of central idea here in in the sermon is God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. Peter goes on this kind of aside where he talks about, okay, David. You know, David, these Psalms that talk about God not abandoning his anointed, uh, that, that, that definitely can't be talking about David because he's dead, right? <laughs> so it's got to be talking about something, someone else. And he says, David foresaw someone, his, one of his descendants, that he, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades. His flesh didn't see corruption. And then verse 32, this Jesus God raised up. Jesus is alive. Jesus was raised bodily. This man who was anointed was shown to be a little bit more than just a man, to be something much more. Of that, we are all witnesses. Let me read here, 30 verses 33 and following. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing, hearing. This man, he's saying, is a little bit more than a man because God has raised him up Not only has he raised him up, but he has gone to be at the right hand of the Father. He's been exalted to a position of majesty and authority. And not only that, but God has given Jesus the gift of the Spirit. And Jesus is the one who's passed that Spirit on to you. This is the Trinitarian mission right here. God sending his Son to send the Spirit to unite the lost with God himself. For David did not ascend into heaven, the heavens, 30, verse, verse 34. But he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And then here's the, here's the punchline. Here's the, here's the mic drop moment. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. The story of salvation is a story about Jesus, not about us. <laughs> a lot of our gospel presentations actually start with us, start with our story or start with the person that we're talking to. But the gospel starts with the story of Jesus. Story of the creed. God the Father sending his son who is equal light from light, God from God, light from light, light true God from true God. But made man for our salvation. He came down and was made man. And he went to the cross, was crucified, and God raised him up. And the amazing thing is that Jesus ascended to the father is still human. You ever think about that? There is a human reigning on the right hand of God, the father, (laughs) taking our place, not just doing what we could not do, being who we were meant to be. The amazing thing about Jesus' story is it's not the end of our story. It's not like, oh, thanks, Jesus. You did what I couldn't do, and I'm just gonna sit back and kind of relax. But it's the beginning of our story because Jesus opens up the way for us to be united with God and to be truly human, to be who we were meant to be. Jesus is human and so much more. And there's an intimate connection here visible between Jesus and the Father sitting at the right hand, sending the Spirit. This is, there's equality, independence in this Trinitarian relationship. So the story of salvation is a story about Jesus and what he has done. God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus. This Jesus. And part three, kind of central idea here is the call to repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. Peter kind of leaves them hanging. (laughs) He drops the mic and then he lets them respond, which is just a great preaching technique. (laughs) And it's amazing that the spirit is moving. And it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Wish that everyone responded like that to the gospel. What, What, we have to respond to this. And Peter says to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And then it says they were were baptized and 3,000 were added to their number. About 120 disciples suddenly were 3,000 we see here that the proper response to the gospel is full-bodied obedience in the power of the Spirit. Full-bodied obedience in the power of the Spirit. We could call it a sacramental obedience. What does Peter say? He's, he says, repent, which often we think repent is just, um, just kind of change your worldview, you know, change the way that you're thinking about it, and then you'll, everything else will follow. But what about, what about the heart? What about loving the right things? Stop loving <laughs> the wrong things, love the right things. Turn your heart to God. And what about the will? You know, may your uh, faith in practice. Actually, what is what are you reaching for? What are you striving for in life? Let that be a turn, repent not just in your thinking but in your heart and your mind. Or, sorry, heart and your will. Turn to God as a as a, as a full person and be baptized, be baptized, be united with Christ in his death and resurrection. Sometimes um, in some traditions, we can see baptism and the sacraments um, as maybe kind of somewhat of a lesser valued thing because they're a sign of something <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, baptism. Yeah, but, but really it's, it's, it's about what it means. But isn't the sign carry more significance because of what it means? When you're baptized, you are united with Christ in his death and resurrection and brought into the fold of God. The sign is not less significant, but more significant because of what it points to. It's, a, it's an embodied obedience. And receive the gift of the Spirit. And as Peter says here, the Spirit unites those who are close and those who are far away into a new spiritual family. And the Spirit actualizes what the gospel promises. It's amazing that the Spirit actually brings near to us the presence of God and the promises of God in a very tangible way. Proper response to the gospel is full-bodied obedience and the power of the Spirit. What can we learn in this whole amazing, amazing sermon about mission, about freedom, about obedience. It's that participation in the mission of the Trinity brings freedom to live out a sacramental obedience. Participation in the mission of the Trinity, not in our mission, but in his mission, brings freedom to live out a sacramental obedience. And that's really where Peter ends his sermon. He says, the promise is for you, for your children, for those who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Mission is not about what we can do for God. (laughs) It's not, it's not about, my mission is not about what I can do for God. Your mission is not about what you can do for God. It's about what God is doing, what the triune God is doing in drawing the lost to himself. God is a missionary God who delights to reach out, to be generous to the other, and draw them near to himself. And this is the gospel. It's been preserved since the days of the apostle that we now recite in the creed. God, a generous God who sent his son, who sent his spirit, who is breaking in his kingdom and who is creating a new community that represents, that reflects this glory of God. The father reaching out through Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. I'd love to read a, a quote from one of my favorite Trinitarian theologians, Catherine Lacuna. And she says this, she just brings it all together beautifully. God moves toward us so that we may move toward each other and thereby toward God. The way God comes to us is also the way to God and to each other through Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is our faith confessed in the creed and celebrated in the sacraments. I need to experience this freedom in mission. And I long for you to experience that freedom as well. This participation in the mission of the Trinity brings freedom to live out sacramental obedience. But what does this sacramental embodied obedience look like? I'd have a few thoughts for you and then we'll close. Practically, number one, being present where God has called you because the Father is working. Being present where God has called you because the Father is working. Again, mission is not what you can do for God. It's how can you join God in what he's doing in your family, in your workplace, in your city. So be present, be present and be on the lookout for what God is doing. This might look a little different. This might be a challenge for you in this post-pandemic time. Maybe you've been working from home and you're not in your workplace. This might be a call for you to re-engage with your presence so that you can be a part of what God is doing. Second, telling the story of Jesus because Jesus Christ is Lord. Telling the story of Jesus because Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus' story is the beginning of our story. And so we have to start there. And a great place to start is with with the creed. So if you're like in a conversation, wanting to tell someone about God, just run through the creed in your mind. Tell the story. It doesn't need to get complicated. It doesn't have to be abstract. It's a story of God reaching out through his son in the power of the spirit. Drawing the lost to himself. So tell the story of Jesus. And third, live and and call the lost to a full-bodied faith. Live and call the lost to a full-bodied faith. Faith is not just about what you believe in your head. It's also about what you're drawn to, what your heart yearns for. And it's about what you put your hands to. But take seriously the power of embodied obedience, making God visible through your obedience. <laughs> Not just mind, but heart and will. And the Spirit will enable this. Live and call the lost to a full bodied faith. The Spirit will enable. It's His mission that we participate in. So, maybe, may we all be drawn closer to the mission of the triune God. And as that happens,